This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Hallelujah. <clears throat> this morning I <coughs> just would like to share the word on the first bonds, the blessings and the responsibilities of firstborns. The blessings and the responsibilities. Uh, the reason is, everybody wants the blessings, but they don't want the responsibilities. But God puts it together. The blessings and the responsibilities go together. And I choose to speak on this because we are speaking about the firstborn biologically, we are speaking about the firstborn spiritually, we are speaking about the firstborn family, the firstborn nation, the firstborn church. And you need to understand this and how when you fail to fulfill your privilege and responsibility as a firstborn, then it goes to the next. The blessings and responsibilities of the firstborn. I mentioned sons, the firstborn sons, but the Bible also includes the firstborn female as well. They are firstborns. I want you to come up to the level the way God thinks, not the way fallen man thinks. A lot of man's thinking is good, but there, there is a lot of fallenness with it. And so God, we need to hear God's voice that could lift you up and you live in higher dimensions than the rest. So let me establish this first. Daughters are also sons. God called them Adam. Adam means created from the red earth. In other words, God was calling him earth or he's calling him mud or dirt. <laughs> That's what Adam means. He called them Adam. But Adam calls her Eve. And the word Eve means the center of my life, the fountain of my life, my nest, my home. So here Adam recognizes, the man recognizes his wife. Before he gets married, it's his mother. Mother is home. Wherever mother is, it's home. If mother is not at home, then it's not a home. Mother is a nest. But after you get married, then the wife replaces the mother. The wife becomes the fountain of your life. She becomes the center of your life. She becomes your nest. She is your home. That is, that's what he means, Eva. The word man means... God called him man. The word man means the ability to stand straight, walk straight, live straight. 
You've been called a man. The scientists didn't call us man. God called us man. And man means the ability to stand straight, walk straight. Of all the creatures on planet Earth, man is the only one who has the ability to stand straight and walk straight. To live straight, to think straight, to talk straight. And not crooked. That's why John the Baptist had to come to make the crooked paths straight. So that the master could come. He came to lift us up. To straighten our lives. He did not just throw us one side. So the man means the ability to stand straight. So what I'm saying to you, God has given you and I the ability to stand straight, live straight, talk straight. Everything straight like God is because you are the only creature on planet earth who has the ability to stand straight and walk straight. Then the man names her. He calls her woman. Woman means the man with the womb. Man is a man. Womb man is a man who has the womb. And so she is that womb. Womb man. So for this reason, a man leaves his father and his mother and he cleaves to his wife. Listen, men, listen carefully. This is what will make you a man. He cleaves to his wife. He leaves his father. He leaves his mother. That does not mean he abandons his father and mother. No. He leaves their household and he begins another household. And that household is his wife. When Isaac was there and Rebekah came into his life, Sarah was dead. And now the scripture says, and Rebekah, Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother's tent. And Isaac was comforted. There's a comfort that a man needs. And he can't, it comes. When he's a boy, he's not a man. It comes from his mother. But the moment he becomes a man, his wife takes the place. And Rebecca was brought into his mother's tent. And Isaac was comforted. There is a comfort that a man needs. Not a boy, a man. There's a difference between a boy and a man. A boy clings to his mother. A man clings to his one wife. If you're not clinging to your one wife, you're just going here, there, and everywhere. You're not a man. You are a, an animal, a chicken, a duck. <laughs> Come up from that level and be a man. Live straight. Walk straight. Think straight. Because God walks with man. And God walked with the man. You want God to walk with you? Then be a man. And Adam walked with God. And it was good. And God gave him a job. That makes him a man. He has a job. 
Then God gave him a place to stay, a beautiful garden. He has a home. He walks with God. He has a job. He has a place to stay. And then God said to that man, now I give you a wife. That's how you live in paradise. You want to live in paradise? Walk with God. Get a job. Have a place to stay. For the scripture tells us what? Jesus came down to find himself a bride. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you, my bride. And when I finish that place, I will return and receive you unto myself. So even the master himself came down, gave his life for you. The Holy Communion is always a reminder you are engaged to him to be married. And he says, I will return after I've built a house for you. The man builds a house for the woman, not the woman builds for the man. When the mansion is ready, I'll come back for you, receive you unto myself, and we will be together forevermore. <laughs> then God said, I'll give you a wife. And the Bible says it was, everything was good, good, good. But after the wife came in the scene, the scripture says it was very good. Man, good. Job, good. Creation, good. Animals, good. Everything wonderful. But when the woman came on the scene, God says, now it is very good. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I didn't plan to say all this, but I don't know why. I'm, just, I'm getting off track a little bit. <laughs> Amen. So sons means both. I just want to let you know that Jesus is called the seed of the woman. Because when God looked at Eve, he said, from you will come the seed. And that seed will crush the head of the serpent. That's why Jesus is called the seed of the woman. Satan hates man and woman. He hates the woman more. Hallelujah. So men, if you are a man, arise up, be a man. Then you feel complete. Amen. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen my father. For the father and I are one. <laughs> I only do what I see my father do. And I speak what I hear my father speaks. The scripture says, matured sons of God. So mature that you are able to meet the father's enemy at the gates. Because you are matured. You are no more drinking milk alone. You are no more eating bread alone. You are matured. You got strong teeth. You eat not only the flesh, but you even chew and eat the bones. And you are able to reproduce. You are able to see as the father sees. You are able to think like the father thinks. And you are able to negotiate like the father negotiates. 
Now the Father trusts you to do the will of the Father that you can meet the Father's enemies at the gates and negotiate with them. These are the sons God is looking for. I shared with you last night, Romans 8, 19. For even the whole of creation, the screen, for even the whole creation, all nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known. Waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. That means there are sons in the kingdom, but they are still in diapers. They are still drinking milk. They don't seem to grow. There are others that are, are being trained in skills and, and they're able to eat bread. But God is saying, I'm waiting for the manifestation of sons who are like me, who can represent me, who can war on my behalf. This is what Elijah said to Elisha. When you can see what I see and you hear what I hear, then what you ask for shall be yours. And I'm calling you to come up, be separate, be different. So that the Father's mental will fall on you. And that's how you take the land. Hallelujah. Sons. Let there be a great manifestation of sons. In Hebrews 12, 23, it says, And the assembly of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to the spirits. In other words, here, we are all called the firstborn. The assembly of the firstborn from the dead. Firstborns. Colossians 1, 15 to 19 says, He is the image. Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven on earth. Visible, invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things are held together him so i'm not declaring a religion to you i'm not declaring a philosophy or an opinion to you no we declare to you someone we have seen like john says we saw with our eyes we handle with our hands I lay on his bosom. We lived with him. We walked with him. We talked with him. We saw him do things no one ever did before. We saw him command the waves. We see him, saw him multiply the loaves and the fish and the bread. The multiplying of the loaves and the fish and the, and, and the bread to feed the multitudes is the only miracle mentioned in all the four gospels twice. You want to be an apostle? Pick up the crumbs. I had this problem with my own guys. Would you drive the van to collect the bread? How can I drive the van? I am a pastor. I am a reverend. Do you know how why should I do that? Oh, Jesus and his disciples, the apostles, picked up bread, crumbs, the leftover. 
You want to be an apostle, learn to wash feet. You want to be an apostle, learn to bend and bow. You want to be an apostle, pick the leftovers. Who gave you titles? It's an illusion. Who gave you the badges? What a deception. Because Satan does not recognize any of those things. He only recognizes a person who's anointed, who lives a holy life. <laughs> That's what causes him to tremble. We're talking about Jesus Christ. I declare to you a person. So our faith is all about a person. Follow me, I will make you. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. We follow him, not an institution, not just in another organization, not a denomination or an abomination. We don't follow any of these man-made methods, means to control and to manipulate. We are family. We think like family. God thinks like family. The kingdom of God is a family. When he returns, father returns. When he returns, is for a marriage. When he returns, he restores a family where God rules as a loving father over his children. It's a family. Colossians 1.15 says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have preeminence. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in him, dwelleth in me. And if Christ is in me, then God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit dwell within me. That's why I can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he dwells in me. That's why I can say I'm here to save, I'm here to heal, I'm here to deliver because he dwells in me. <laughs> you are the kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God? Jesus said it is within you. Let the kingdom break forth. Let the sons of God be manifest. Rise up, grow up. In Genesis 49, verse 3 to 4, here's a description of a firstborn. The firstborn is very important because the firstborn is the one that opens a matrix. He's in the womb of the mother, and from the womb of the mother, he has to find a path. He's a pathfinder. He is a, a forerunner. He is an uh, apostle. He is the ox, the apostle. He has to make a way where there is no way. He has to squeeze himself through a passageway where he could be killed or the mother could be killed. Both could die, both could live, or one could die and one could live. The war to live, to fight for life begins in the womb. And he's a pathfinder. He has to struggle. He has to make a path so that those that come after him will be easier because the path has already been made. That's why it's called the firstborn. He's the one that breaks open the matrix. He's the one that comes forth from the mother's womb into the world. 
the firstborn, he makes the way. He's first. God is calling you to be first. He's calling this congregation to be first. He's calling you to be the first because he desires to make this nation one more time the first nation in this continent. <clears throat> That's why the enemy came for you. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the first fruits of my strength. Preeminent in dignity, preeminent in power. That's God's word describing a firstborn. But you have become unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it and you went up to my couch. You are my firstborn. You have privileges, but you have responsibilities. And you fail in your responsibility. Though you have all these talents and you have everything standing for you, you did not be responsible. You were not accountable. You were not submissive. You did not respect and honor your father. You chose to go to his bed to sleep with his concubine. Therefore, you lose that privilege. God did not take it away from you. You surrendered it because you wanted that blessing. You wanted something that was father's, not yours. And you defiled your father's bed. Therefore, with all your capabilities and trainings and preferences that you had, you will not have that firstborn privilege. You are unstable as water. You will not have preeminence. Sin robs us of God-given blessings. Are you me? Are you with me? Very, very sad. Amen. <clears throat> the firstborn, the fourteenth day, which is also coming soon in this year, the fourteenth day of the first month of Nisan is a statutory time scripturally stipulated for the dedication of firstborns. Firstborns, I don't know whether you do it here, but I do it in my church now, back home. One of the first to do it in the country, actually. They put aside a special day to honor the firstborns, biological firstborns. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, they are mine. The firstborn is mine, says the Lord. Prophetically, firstborns are meant to be standard bearers, instruments with which God intends to establish the beginning principles of families and nations. They are pathfinders. They are pioneers. They are symbols of excellency, dignity, and might. They are harbingers of strength and carriers of a double portion of Father's inheritance. You cannot pray or believe for a double portion unless you're a firstborn in relationship with your father. Because fathers only give double portion to their firstborn sons. Here again, relationship father and mother. Father and sons. Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn. 
Jacob was not the firstborn. But Esau wanted the blessings, but he didn't want the responsibilities. So he demanded for the blessings. But then God said, what about the responsibilities? But the second brother said, no, no, no. I don't care about all these blessings the father wants to give to you. I want the birthright. Because when I have the birthright and I begin to exercise the responsibilities of the firstborn, then I have the inheritance that my father has for the firstborn. I become the head of the tribe. I become the head of the family. And through me, generations will come. And through me, the nation of Israel will come into being. So God begins with you, ends up with the nation. And then with the world. But he begins with the firstborns. Same thing with Jacob and Rachel and Joseph. Joseph was not, Joseph was not Jacob's firstborn. Joseph was Rachel's firstborn. I was speaking about biologically. And that's why he got the double portion. He got the, color, the cloak of many colors. That means the choice of the father went on him. Not on the firstborn Reuben, because Reuben failed. But this son, he's also a pathfinder. He was first of Rachel's sons. And remember, Jacob loved Rachel. Hallelujah. Firstborn. Double portion means greater responsibility. Unfortunately, Ichabod is written on the foreheads of many firstborns. The glory of firstborns has not just departed from their lives. Many are no longer leaders. They are supposed to be. Many, are, many no longer carry the kingdom of glory based on the dominion mandate. Like Reuben, many firstborns are defiled, cursed and rejected. I'm speaking here about this nation. This nation of yours was one time ahead, was the leader, was called the breadbasket of Africa. It lost it. It lost it. But can it be restored? Can it once again rise up to its prophetic destiny and fulfill the purpose God raised it up for? God already named it. The breadbasket of Africa. It's not you going around and trying to fight for a survival so you could live. The world will come to your doors because they will see God's divine favor on the firstborn. The enemy has robbed you, but this is the time to take back from the devil all he stole from us. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, the Lord will restore this is the blessed nation. This is a privileged nation. Reuben, you are my firstborn. My might and the beginning of my strength, the excellence of my dignity, the excellence of power. But you became unstable as water. You shall not exhale because you went up to my father's bed. You defiled it. You went to my couch. But God can restore. I say God will restore. I'm speaking about this nation. There are three levels of firstborn. The Bible speaks about families. 
The Bible speaks about the firstborn from the dead, that is Jesus Christ, firstborn from the dead. And since we are in him, we are also firstborn in Christ Jesus. There's a biological firstborn and there is a spiritual firstborn. And so if you, if you are not a biological firstborn, but you know Christ, then you are part of the body of Christ because he is the firstborn from the dead. Firstborn of creation. We are in him. In him I can do all things. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am Hallelujah. And then the last third one is the firstborn nation of Israel. Israel is the firstborn and she'll become a pattern for the rest of the world when Jesus soon returns as we can see it unfold before our own eyes. He will reign from Israel. He'll reign from the city of the great king, Jerusalem. And all the world will go there because they will see a visible Christ, Jesus, ruling from Israel as the firstborn nation. Israel lost it, but God did not forget it. He is restoring. In the midst of great opposition, in the midst of great resistance, when even all the nations of the world can turn against Israel, Israel will continue to arise because he said so. And in the midst of all the challenges that you may have before you, this nation also can arise. Because this is historically a Christian nation. So be part of your firstborn, part of the firstborn from the dead. There are multi-dimensional classification of what firstborns are. Firstborns by birth order, firstborn by gender, firstborn by divine replacement. You see, when Cain failed, then God uh, chose Abel, but Abel was also killed, and so he chose the next son, Seth. So when one fails, it is by choice. If the firstborn fails, then that goes to the secondborn. And even the secondborn fails, then God chooses one of the children to become the firstborn. Hallelujah. Firstborn by prophecy. That is by divine intervention that you can be a firstborn. You are a firstborn by function because others are not able to function. You take upon yourself the responsibility of a firstborn. You are considered a firstborn. You are firstborn by national identity. You are firstborn by physical marriage of the firstborn spouse and the firstborn female. The male and the female. That child has got great, great blessing. Amen. Firstborn by spiritual marriage to our Lord Jesus Christ. Firstborn by membership of the church of the firstborn registered in heaven. The moment you acknowledge you're a sinner, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, and you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Bible says your name is written in the book of life in heaven, and nobody can remove it. That's the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Firstborns are carriers of excellency. They're symbols of everything precious and valuable. The fact that firstborns are supposed to be conscientious, responsible, organized also means that they will naturally be people of excellence, dignity, and might. There is a spirit of excellence that should proceed from the firstborns. 
They are supposed to be symbols of everything precious and valuable. Jacob described Reuben as his firstborn. My might, the beginning of my strength, the excellency of my dignity, and the excellency of power is yours as firstborn. They speak about the glory of the firstborns. Many things here they carry upon themselves. They are prophetic standard barriers. They are pioneers, pathfinders, creative, creative innovators, carriers of excellence, of dignity and might, representatives of the highest kings of the earth, divine agents for establishing beginning principles. And that's how this ministry started with a son that God sent, an apostle sent forth. It has his birth. Remember, the foundation of the church is the apostle and the prophet. And Jesus is the cornerstone that holds it together. And on this apostle and the prophets, the pastor, the evangelist, teaches all Bill. And your pastor, your apostle, the whole apostolic family here, God raised them up to lay foundations. They cannot be shaken. That will stand the tight test of time. The rains may fall, the winds may blow, the floods may come, but he that is built on the rock will remain. And this ministry has gone through all of that. And it remains because it has an apostolic, prophetic foundation founded on the apostles and prophets. That's the spirit of this church, of this ministry. Men may not recognize it, God does, and the devil trembles about it. They are symbols of everything precious. Sim sample seats of the church, of the firstborn in heaven. Hallelujah. I want to show you some historical facts. How majority of the American presidents were firstborns. This is not an accident because the word accident is not found in the language of God. Uh, this is not a coincidence. That word coincidence is not found in the language of God. It's not that they were lucky because the word luck is not in the language of God. It's in the language of the damned. When he said the firstborns, because America is a firstborn nation as well, they were founded by men and women of God based on the Bible. Jewish and Christian principles. And that's why they stand. Now you just, I don't know whether you got it on the screen or not. The presidents were first born. Too many for me to go through, but is it on the screen? No, the one before that. Okay, here you see. No, no, no. The one before that. Oh, it's not on there? Okay, let me say this to you. Anyway. Most of the American presidents were firstborns. I got a whole list here. All of them. Almost 70% of the presidents of America were firstborns. The previous president, Link, uh, Obama, Clinton, as well as McCain, all stood for election. All of them were firstborns. Even President, 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 Trump. He is a Trump. Yes, he is triumphant. He's a man of God. Just like him, he'll meet all challenges 
like Napoleon Bonaparte said, the Bible and the name of Jesus is the only power that overcomes all opposing power. And God doesn't care about your past. He's interested about your future. And he picked that man up. He also is a second son because the first one already died because he went to drugs and alcohol. And so he's taken the leadership. Again, one in the family. So God does not make mistakes. From George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, you could go down the list. 70% of American presidents were first born or the only born in the family. And that is not a mistake. Firstborns are the first to open the matrix. This means that they are pathfinders. They locate the path of life and usher others to follow their footsteps. Firstborns are pioneers. They explore new grounds, act as frontiersmen, innovators and inventors. They are trailblazers who discover and develop new systems for the achievement of mankind. They also are known uh, achievement-orientated, always willing to take risk others may not want to take. It is noted that many of the world's famous pioneers, pathfinders in all different fields were all firstborns. Galileo Galilee, the world of ours was firstly named after Galileo. He was a Jew. He was a Bible-believing Jew. He was a born-again Jew. He believed in his Bible. He said the world is not flat like every other culture. Every other culture on planet Earth said the world is flat. One said it's the back of an elephant. Another said it's back of a turtle. Another said it's a flying carpet. Another said it's on the shoulders of Atlas. Everybody believes it is flat, but there's one group of people who believe it is round, it circulates on its own, and, and it is suspended or nothing. Where did he get this idea from? They got it from the Bible. And so when Galileo said this, he was arrested. Before him was Copernicus. They killed him because the so-called Rome did not believe that the world was a circle, but it was flat believing what the pagans believed. And they took him and they killed him. And then came later Galileo. And this universe of ours was formally named after Galileo. And Galileo is one who said, the world is round. A mathematician, a doctor, a brilliant scholar. What did he get? Where did he get it from? From the Bible. He was taken by Rome, put on a wheel and tortured. And was had to say that told him to confess and renounce that the world is round and that it is flat. So as they tortured him on the wheel, they're about to pull his head and his feet out if he would not renounce it. That was Rome. And as they put him on the wheel and they tried to kill him, he said, I renounce that the earth is round. I renounce it is it's going on his own circuit. I renounce. And then he said, though I renounced it, it is still round. It's still circulating. And Rome took him and imprisoned him for the rest of his life. The world was named, the world was named after Galileo. It is called the Galilean universe. After Galileo died, today they call it Einsteinian universe because Einstein also was a Bible-believing Jew. 
And his book was the Bible. The world may call them scholars. The world may call them scientists. But they call themselves students of the Bible. And it's named after him today, Einstein. In case you don't know your address, the name of this universe is Einstein Universe. And he said so. Einstein. Then they came the Wright brothers. The Wright brothers. is very interesting. I wish I had more time to talk to you about it. The Bible tells us how the gospel is spread all over the world. So here was this Methodist bishop. He was Jew, but he was a Methodist bishop. He, he, he took, his two, took his children into the farm, kept them there because he didn't want the industrial revolution to affect them. For these two boys, uh, the Wright brothers, you know, they began to invent all kinds of things, all kinds of things. Finally, they invented the aeroplane. Why? Because deep down in their heart, they were wondering how can we take the gospel to Africa and to Europe and in Asia. How nice if we could fly like birds. And God touched their heads and they came out with the kitty hawk, the first plane that was invented and they flew. And that changed all of human history. And then when Jerusalem was being, was being liberated, to get his independence. The Arabs have never seen a plane. They, the, the, they have never seen a plane in that place. So here is another Jew. His name, well, he was uh, going to, he's going to capture Jerusalem from the Turks. His name was Ellen B. Ellen B was a Bible-believing Jew. He knelt and he prayed. He said, God, don't let anything happen to Jerusalem. It's your holy city. So before he invaded the city of Jerusalem, he sent planes, two planes, small planes to scout over the city of Jerusalem. And when the Arabs army that was there saw the planes coming down, man, they couldn't believe it. They never seen something like that before. It's Ellen B. They say Ellen B. Ellen B. But they heard it. Allah B. Allah Nabi. Allah Nabi. Allah Nabi. The prophet of Allah Nabi. He's coming. He's coming to judge. And so what did they do? They threw the guns. They threw off the shoes. They threw off the uniform. Ran every direction. History was made when the city of Jerusalem was set free for 2,000 years of bondage. Not one bullet was fired. Why God fulfilled Isaiah when he said, like birds flying in the heavens, like eagles flying in the heavens, I will deliver Jerusalem and delivering it, I will preserve it. God's word came to pass. Who are these two boys? Oh, they were Jews. They were believers. They were pathfinders. They were firstborns. And I can tell you, Mom, about Edison, and I can tell you about Marconi, I can tell you about Gutenberg, who invented the printing press, I can tell you about a man who invented the radio, why did he invent the radio, because his priest told him I would like to have devotion with all my congregation, but they cannot read, cannot write, can you come up with a device and he came up with what you call the radio the radio was invented so that the pastor could have devotion with his congregation They don't tell you all this in schools and universities because they're all a bunch of liars. 
every blessing, the light that you see here is Edison. Edison was studying his Bible every night. He was a lamb there. He couldn't see well. He said, oh God, how nice if I had something like the sun permanent and God touched his mind. He made 10,000 over discoveries. Finally, he came up with the light that you have. Why did God invent this light? Through a servant of his firstborn Jew, Bible believing, so that we can read the Bible 24 hours a day. <laughs> I, you never heard this before. Because the universities told you lies. Oh, I can go on and on. Armstrong was the first man to walk on the moon. He was only eight years old when he'll be sleeping in the room every night and be looking at the moon. And his mother will come and say, son, why are you looking at the moon every night? He said, mom, one day I'm going to walk on the moon. Oh, don't talk crazy. Nobody walks on the moon. There's no way you can go to the moon. But this little boy at the age of eight, God put a dream in his heart. He was first born. He was Bible believing. And sure enough, later we hear in the 60s, the first man to step on the moon was little boy Armstrong. And he landed on the moon. What did he do? The first thing he said was the Lord's Prayer. The first thing he did was he had Holy Communion. The next thing he did, he put a Bible on the moon. This, the newspapers didn't tell you. This, the television did not tell you. This, the mass media did not tell you because they're all liars. <laughs> Here's some more. I'll give you some more information to shock you. He was the eldest of three children. All of the Mercury 7 astronauts, all of the Mercury 7 astronauts were firstborns. 23 astronauts in outer space were all firstborns. The fact that a firstborn was the first to go into outer space cannot be a coincidence. Neither is it a coincidence that 23 of the first astronauts that were sent to space were all firstborns. It goes to prove firstborns are indeed pioneers, pathfinders, creative innovators, as indicated in this laments classification of positive traits of firstborns. And interestingly, not only the Americans had the firstborns, both of them were Jews, and even the Russians, when they sent the first spaceman into space, and he came back. He was a communist, but he was a firstborn, and he was a Jew. Are you breathing? God's word is true. Let all men be liars, for God is truth. God cannot lie. I say this to emphasize that the prophecies, the promises that you're hearing over you and over this nation are all God's word. And if you believe and if you act like firstborns, you will see it come to pass. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Amen, amen. I think I've said a lot, right? You think I should stop here? No. <laughs> Here's another one. Let me show you. All, almost 70% of American presidents were firstborns or only borns. So we look at Russia, the other superpower on planet Earth, and let us look at all their leaders. Not one of the Russian presidents, not one of them were firstborn. Why? The 
Bible says, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. A fool. So today we have in all universities, colleges, in government, a bunch of fools who are digging their own grave and so proud of it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Bible says they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. And so the Russia has never had one born again, spirit filled, first born prime minister or president. Come on, are you here? The word firstborn is used of Jesus Christ to express at once the revelation to man and the universe, the difference between them as both he and they are related to God. The laws and customs of all nations show that to be the firstborn means not only priority in time, but certain superiority in privilege and authority. Hallelujah. Israel is Yahweh's firstborn among the nations. The Messianic king is God's firstborn. The highest of the kings of the earth. Christ is the firstborn of all creation. It is not only prior to it in time, but above it in power and authority. All things have been created through him and unto him. He is the sovereign Lord over all creation. It denotes his status, his character, and not his origin. The content does not admit the idea he is a part of the created universe, but he created the universe. So in his incarnation, he is brought into the world as firstborn. And God summons all his angels to worship him. In his resurrection, he is the firstborn from the dead or of the dead. The origin and prince of life. And finally, he is the firstborn among many brethren in the consummation of God's purpose of grace when all the elect are gathered home. Hallelujah. Not only is their Lord, but also he is their pattern. God's ideal son and man are foreordained to be conformed to his image, his likeness. Therefore, remember I shared with you last night the word the Lord gave about the family that runs this ministry. God is working on them so that when he looks at the reflection of the metal of gold, he sees nothing but himself. His image. <laughs> His image. And so we are all called to be like him. Therefore, the saints themselves, as growing in his likeness and as possessing all the privileges of the elder sons, including the kingdom and the priesthood, it may be called the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Everybody said, that includes me. Come on, say like you believe it. That includes me. I am part of the firstborn. Because I am in Christ. And Christ lives in me. I am registered in heaven. My name is in the palm of his hands. Nobody, 
Nobody, nobody can remove it. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. I am a firstborn. Say it. I have privileges. But I have responsibilities. This is the church of the firstborn. And this nation can be a firstborn nation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's rise to our feet. Christ in me the hope of glory I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me Jesus is the Savior He saved me and now through me He saves others Jesus healed me He is the healer and now he uses me to heal others. Amen. He is a savior. I am a savior. Christ in me. I can do all things. It's no longer I that lives. But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loves me. Who loves me. And gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you believe your confession? Yes. Hallelujah. The privilege is we can come before God and say, God, forgive us. You see, when we gather like this, we don't just say, forgive me. Because when he taught us to pray, he didn't say, forgive me. He said, forgive us. Forgive us. Our sins. Deliver us from all evil. Give us this day our. There's no eyes. There's no me's there. It's always ours. There is a difference when you pray alone in the closet. There is a difference when you pray as husband and wife and family. There is a difference when we come together in this fashion. When we come in this fashion, we enthrone him. He's enthroned on high. That's where he makes proclamations. He makes declarations. As we worship as body. And this body begins to pray and it says, Father, forgive us. Father, deliver us. Forgive us as we forgive others. It is a unity. Unity, one body. And when we are one, everything is possible. Come out of our self-centeredness. 
come out of our selfishness. Come out of our self-proclamation and self-preservation. And let's focus on Him. For He will lift you up. He will lift you up. Are you ready to pray? When you pray, you have to open your mouth and pray. There's a difference when you pray together as a church, as a community. You need to pray loudly. You pray loudly so that your neighbors can say amen to you, so that the angels can record what you pray and they will also rejoice so that the deaf devil can hear you pray and he will retreat. We pray loudly. To pray loudly, lift up your heads, open your mouth and begin to declare. You begin to proclaim. And when you do so, it creates an open heavens where angels will ascend and descend. The Bible does not say angels descend and ascend. No. It always says angels ascend and descend. Which means the angels are here. And for the angels to go up to heaven and to bring down blessings, they need you to open the heavens. So when you begin to pray and you begin to proclaim and you begin to declare loudly, then the heavens begin to open and angels will ascend the ladder of God and they will descend. Your prayers can do that. There are angels all around here. And they're hearing every prayer. No prayer is prayed in vain. No tear is shed in vain because every tear is also a prayer. So when we say pray, collectively as a body, we pray loudly. Shout to the Lord. Let the earth tremble because He's seated in the heavens. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.